Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. Starting Points goes through Genesis, through Revelation, the entire Bible, including all the major sections. And it's designed to give an overview of each book and section of the Bible so that it can be a starting point for a person studying, reading, engaging with, wrestling with the Bible, which we believe to be the Word of God. Today we are looking at the writings of the prophet Amos. He is numbered among the minor prophets. Now, as we've said on previous episodes, doesn't mean that he was minor or less important. Rather, that designation between major and minor prophets have to do with the size of their work. Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel wrote large volumes that could not be contained uh, with others. You know, they, they had these things written down on scrolls. And there's limited space. So you couldn't share uh, with other writers. You had to have one scroll or two scrolls, depending on the size of, of the book. And whereas the minor prophets, their writings were shorter. And so they were able to be contained kind of on one scroll, the writings of the 12 or the minor prophets. Um, now, Amos is one of the, uh, the more <laughs> prolific of the minor prophets. Some of the minor prophets, um, you know, they had one chapter two chapters. It's very, you know, very short. Uh, Amos wrote, wrote uh, multiple chapters. He's kind of on the uh, more, more verbose side of, uh, <clears throat> of the minor prophets. Now, we don't know much about him, but we know that he was from Judah, but he ministered or prophesied in Israel. We know from his book and the, and the things he was talking about that he was a contemporary of Isaiah and Hosea, and you can go back on previous episodes as we talked about them, but uh, he was a contemporary of theirs, and like Isaiah, he was from Judah, but he went north, left his home in Tekoa, which is in the southern kingdom of Judah, and went north and prophesied in Israel. Now, the first two chapters, he gives words of judgment from God to the surrounding nations, the nations that surrounded Israel, and then Chapters 2 through 6, he gives judgment against Judah and Israel. And then chapters 7 through 9, he closes with a hopeful vision of the future. Now, we ask, what's the human story in these books? Amos is a guy who was called from obscurity into incredible significance. Any person who wrote the Bible is one of the most significant and consequential people in all of human history. It's always amusing to me when you think about that. Who would, who would great historians and philosophers culminate a list? Who are the most important people in human history? Amos wouldn't make the list. Jonah wouldn't make the list. Samuel wouldn't make the list. Daniel, David, Matthew, Luke. Yet these were people that God called and inspired to write the scripture. And there is no more influential book in human history. In Western culture, up until relatively recently, most people learned to read and write by reading the scripture. Whole eras and cultures have been changed by the message of Jesus. And the scripture, the word of God, testifies to Jesus as Messiah and King, Lord and Savior. If you were one who contributed to the writing of the Bible, and the Bible is a collection of 66 books written by over 40 authors over a 1,500-year period. If you are one of them, you are one of the most significant people in all of human history, and yet he wouldn't make the list. He was an, uh, an obscure man 
no big history or background that was worth noting, and yet he rose to this place of incredible significance both in his day and in generations to come. In Amos chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, he says, I was a shepherd, and I was also taking care of sycamore fig trees. But then the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go and prophesy to my people Israel. Now, either he's lacking in self-esteem or he's incredibly humble. He's saying, I was nobody. I came from nowhere. I was not significant. And the only thing that has ever happened to me that is significant is that God told me to do something. And I went and did it. There's also the human story of going from where you were born to somewhere God sends you. That's a unique thing. That's a rare thing. Most people are not called to go somewhere else. Most of us stay where we're at and minister to where we're from. Most of us you know, are born in a place and relatively speaking, we live in that place and we are most likely connect, able to connect with people who are like us. You know, if you were born and raised an outdoorsman in Montana, generally speaking, it's likely that you will have um, a better time connecting with other outdoorsmen in rural America than you would if if you went and preached uh, in the middle of San Francisco or New York or Portland or wherever. Also, I have a much easier time on the West Coast than I would in middle America. I have a much easier time in West Coast uh, cities and suburbs than I would, for example, like in rural Missouri. We had Jack Coltis on the Talk About Anything podcast a few months back. You know, a guy who grew up in, in, in Montana, outdoorsman, pastored for a while in the Seattle area, and, and did good ministry, but has had great success in rural Missouri. And God's using him there. And in great ways. So this idea of of leaving where you're from and going somewhere else, that's what we would call a missionary. And it's unusual. People go on the mission field all the time and find out it's not for them. They can't handle living in another culture. They can't handle being away from family. It's a very unique calling. Amos was somebody who went from obscurity to significance. Amos was somebody who left where he was from and went to where God told him to be. He was also somebody who didn't have what we might call a stellar pedigree or resume. In in Amos chapter 1, he talks about how he is not a son of the prophets, nor was he trained by the prophets. We on uh, just, just the other day on Sunday morning, we talked about how um, Elijah and Elisha interact with these guys from the company or the school or the sons of the prophets. And, and there were places in Israel you could go and get all this training, but he was just called by God, you know. In our day, uh, there are times and places where, where somebody has all this seminary education and biblical knowledge, and they're, they, they can't, they're not called by God. They can't preach worth a lick. Nobody responds to their ministry. And they say, but I have all this knowledge and letters and accreditation and everything, and there's no calling. And then there's somebody else over there who has none of that, but God's obviously using them. <laughs> we have, one of our most effective pastors in our conference of churches is uh, a guy who, you know, let's just say book learning wasn't, wasn't his strong suit, but God called him. And he's ministering out among people that are his people, and, and he knows them, and they know him, and he's doing his thing. And I am all for learning, and I'm all for education and, and knowing as much as you can. And uh, I, try, I try to be well-read. I try to, you know, I, I went to grad school. I did the whole thing, you know, trying what I can. But 
I'm not under any illusion that any calling that God might give you or me has anything to do with our education or our training. It has to do with God calling us. And if we're called, then we should see what training we might need to help us in that calling. But Amos was just a, I was just a farmer. I was out taking care of the flock. I was a shepherd and God told me to go and I went. Now, what are the landmines? That's another question that we ask. What are the landmines in the book of Amos? There's a lot of things. Injustice and inequity are major themes. Injustice and inequity are major themes of the book. This will clash with secular conservatism. And that's a thing to be worked through. I talked about this, uh, I believe, on a Sunday morning recently. But there has been polling in the last month talking about how active conservative evangelical voters do not trust their community or their pastors. There was reporting, we talked about it, how uh, it's, it's a conversation among pastors in the South and they're teaching from the Bible and people are coming up and saying, get that liberal nonsense out of the church. And, and the pastor responds, I literally just quoted Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. And one anecdotal story, a pastor said that and the response was, well, that doesn't work anymore. As if the words of Jesus somehow don't work. Injustice and inequity are major themes of the book of Amos and they will clash with secular conservatism. Immorality is also a major theme of the book. It's a major theme. Sins of, of, of moral consequence. And let's be honest, that'll largely class with secular progressives or liberalism. Idolatry is a major theme, and that's going to clash with both sides, conservative, progressive, old, young, modern, traditional, whatever, because all of us have to fight the temptation to make idols of things. And these landmines exist in the book. I believe that somebody who is very uh, political one way or the other will find something they like in the book, but something they do not like at all, something they want to ignore, something they want to reject. But God wants to speak to us his truth, no matter where we're coming from. Now, the most important question that we always ask on this podcast is, where is Jesus seen? Stephen, who is the first recorded martyr, that means the first person who we know died for their faith in Jesus. When he was sharing the gospel with the leaders of his people in Acts chapter 7, he directly quoted the prophet Amos, Amos chapter 5, to show the failure of human religion, of human self-righteousness. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who pastored the church in Jerusalem, he quoted Amos chapter 9 and Acts chapter 15 when all of the, the major church leaders got together in Jerusalem and, and, and he, James, quoted Amos chapter 9 to show that Jesus was the bridge to bring the Gentiles into faith and that Christian faith was not just for Jewish people. These two moments where he's quoted are incredibly significant, not just in the history of the church, but in the history of the world. Christians all over the world that decision affected them. Christians in Japan, Christians in South Africa, Christians in Finland, Christians in Brazil, Christians here in Oregon. It affected us. His work that God had for him wasn't just for his day, but it affects us in our day. And how is Jesus seen in that? It is because Jesus has made a way of salvation for all people. It is because Jesus has opened the doors so that all people may know the truth of God. And it was that proclamation that the prophet Amos gave that we now hold to, that 
that we now rejoice in. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for his work. Now, when we come to these books of the Bible, and you might say, you know, Amos, I don't know that I've read that book. It's one of the, it's not surprising to me to say that it would be one of the lesser read books of the Bible. And I would say that's okay. That's part of what this podcast is about helping to walk through some of the parts of the Bible we may not be as familiar with, but knowing, knowing that God is still speaking and moving and working through those parts of the Bible just as well. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Starting Points. You can search Faith on Hill on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and subscribe to all of our online content, this podcast, the 20-minute Bible study, our Sunday mornings, and more. We gather online and in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. and our small groups meet throughout the week. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Starting Points.